Ladies and gentlemen, we'll begin our final descent into Kingston, Jamaica. As we prepare for landing, please make sure your seatbelt is fastened and your seat back and tray tables are stowed. Also, this time, please put away all carry-in items, including laptop and devices of similar size for landing. landing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to enter Culturama with Diva. If you need instrumentals, recording, mixing or mastering, maybe a music video, photo shoot or graphic designing, Need Bouncy Castle's face painting, popcorn, cotton candy, or characters for the kids? Want to do online or offline promotion? Maybe both. Let's print your t-shirts and everything else. Here at Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited, we got you covered. Reach us on FB and Instagram at Inner Sanctum Entertainment LTD, YouTube at Inner Sanctum Entertainment, and Twitter at iSanctum Studios. Or call us at 1-866-338-4123. That's 1-866-338-4123. Listeners, and welcome to another episode of Culturama with Diva, where simplicity is the best thing. This episode is called What Do You Do? Where I invite different career professionals to come and speak about their their life as a career professional. The, you know, the do's and don'ts of their jobs and what they like and what they don't like. And my guest today is Mr. Buwani Persad from Trinidad and Tobago. Hi, Buwani. Greetings and hello to your listeners wherever they are around the world. Okay, welcome to the show. Now, tell us, Buwani, a little bit about Buwani Persad. Okay, Buwani Persad was born with an eye problem, uh, which was detected very early. Whatever happened thereafter medically, I cannot say, but I was told that, you know, one eye was, was defective and, you know, trying to treat that eye, they probably messed it up a little more. But, um, you know, that's history. That was back way back in 1958. So you could imagine the big gap between then and now in terms of, of medical knowledge, medical ac- acuity, etc. So with that as it may, I consider myself born blind. I attended the School for Blind Children at Santa Cruz here in Trinidad from the age of six, a little over six years old. Um, and I remained there until uh, 16, going on 17. Um, in those days, there weren't many opportunities here in Trinidad and Tobago for integration of blind children into quote-unquote normal schools. What happened was a pilot project where they selected um, particular individuals, but many of us who should have did not at- attend um, secondary school or integrated education. But with that as it may, um, I did complete my primary school education. Um, what was in the mix as well is that at primary school, they tried to inculcate a little bit of the secondary uh, theory inside of there. So you've got a little bit of knowledge on that. But basically, those schools, and I say those schools, School for Blind and other schools, for children with disabilities were considered as home schools way back when. And that was the period between 1964 and 1974 when I actually attended School for Blind Children. Nevertheless, I had a vision for myself as to what I wanted to do when I um, you know, left school. I wanted three things in life. One, 
to serve in the capacity of public relations officer, whether it be voluntarily and or otherwise. Two, to serve in the, in the capacity of broadcasting. And three, to serve in the capacity of, of a business person. Oh. And, <laughs> you pretty much answered my next two questions. I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, uh, this show is called What Do You Do, where, where you know I get different um, persons uh, from different professionals to come and advise the young people of their career jobs. I was about to ask you, what do you do? Well, as I said, these were my, my three dreams upon leaving school, and I accomplished all to some degree, I have to say. Mm-hmm. In fact, when I left school in 1974, um, there was a tradition in Trinidad where loudspeakers or PA systems or microphones as we used to call them were used, you know, like if people having a sale to broadcast for that store or that entity, etc. And uh, even I started to work at, at an, a company, a store in, 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 in not far from school. And that's where my, my career began really in, in, in terms of outside broadcasting. In school I used to do post shows and, and when it came to reality, outside broadcasting really took me there. I was fortunate that the owner of the store was a relative of one of the top radio personalities of the day here in Trinidad and Tobago, um, the late Sam Ghani. And Sam Ghani was at that time losing sight. And so the owner of the store wrote to Mr. Ghani and told him about me, etc. And I was calling for an interview by, by Mr. Ghani at Radio Trinidad in those days. And I began to freelance there from um, mid-1975 until a little after he passed away. So suddenly, I have to say, he passed away in 1978. And what happened then, the day before he passed away, Tanika, I was in his office. They had just opened an FM station, the first FM, well, not the first FM, but that, that company, they had opened an FM station. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Ghani wanted me to do sales of advertising for that station. And he, we were talking about plans for the future. And we wanted me to come in um, permanently and, you know, do sales. He provide a desk and whatever facilities yes. to allow me to do that kind of work. Unfortunately, you wouldn't believe it. By the next 18 hours, we got the sad news that he passed away. Wow. So it did, it did create a debt, I would admit. Mm-hmm. And the person who took over after him, uh, you know, some people, maybe because Sam was losing sight, who had lost sight, he had a passion for persons who were blind. Yes. And uh, one thing that he told me when, when he allowed me to, to start broadcasting mm-hmm. is, Bohani, if you're good, we're going to keep you. <laughs> and they kept you. you. And they kept me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They kept me. Because I did not, well, I, I used to have a, a normal weekly radio show, but I did other things in between all of that. Uh, I had a production on blindness and disability and that kind of stuff, which was it. Tell us right? about that. Well, basically, you know, whenever, like, Sir John Wilson, I don't, I don't know if you've heard the name Sir John Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the um, major people at the Royal Commonwealth Society for the Blind Now Called Sightseers. When he came to Trinidad in 1976, I, had, I did a full interview with him, which was aired, and I did other interviews with Kevin Carey, the first executive director of the Caribbean Council for the Blind, yes. when it um, restarted back in 1970. So I was doing a lot of things apart from a musical show there, mm-hmm. right? 
with the station. Mm -hmm. um, well, following his death, uh, um, the, the contract ended with, with, with the weekly program. But I still continue to persevere with, with the help of others within the company and did other things. And then in the 80s, I became a stringer for the Caribbean News Agency when it was totally Ghana. Mm -hmm. um, between 1985 and 1988, I worked as a stringer for Ghana. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I did other freelance stints in, in other media. However, interestingly enough, in 1979, we had basically two radio stations in China, well, two AM stations, which were very popular. And what happened then is that the level of advertising, because we are just, we were just inside of an oil pool, the advertising grew so great that the stations found themselves doing more ads than, than, than is required. Because normally on a station, you would do 12 minutes of advertising and, and 48 minutes of other things, right? But agencies began to realize that, look, we're not getting that. We're getting 15, 20 minutes of advertising. And so we agreed to set up between myself and a former cricketer, West Indian cricketer, Charlie Davis, who was at the time working with one of the advertising agencies. We had a chat and we started to talk about our monitoring program for advertising so that I was put in charge of that to do media monitoring, which I did from 1979 back to um, 2007 or thereabouts. Um, but now with the uh, advance of technology and all of that, that we had to bring that. And then with the expansion of the media, it was kind of difficult to control. So I did that as one of my, my jobs, um, on a media monitor. Um, in addition, I was also doing business. I, I was one of the um, top, top 20 salesperson for a company selling household products here in Trinidad and Tobago. And I did some exporting of fruits and vegetables to my brother in Canada and other clients who, who required my services during this, this tenure. Um, other than that, I was very active in the disability community, I'll have to say. I was one of the foundation members of the Trinidad and Tobago chapter of Disabled People's International in 2005. Tell us about so, that movement. In 19, sorry, in 1985, in 1985. What happened is that the urge was there after the 1981 World Congress on Disability, uh, organized by Disabled People's International, that people go out to the regions um, these five or six continental regions, that is, and established national agencies, urban for persons with disabilities, um, DPI affiliate, affiliates, if you want to call them that. And in Trinidad and Tobago, myself and Dr. Emmanuel Hussein, we were called by a gentleman named Derek Palmer. Um, yeah, I know him in, from Jamaica. Right, so he was involved in the, in the regional movement. But we had the courtesy of meeting back in 1978 at a meeting of the Caribbean Council for the Blind here in Trinidad. And he, he spoke to me and he said, Bowani, look, coming out of that 81 meeting, it was agreed that, you know, this was the mandate for, for persons within the Caribbean. And uh, the people who went to the 1983 pro program did not come back and do what they were supposed to do. So Derek got on the phone and he got in touch with me and he got in touch with Emmanuel, Dr. Hussain. And we responsible starting the local chapter of Disabled People's International here in Trinidad in 1985. Um, in addition, I was also involved with the blind movement. We had um, organizations, not just for the blind, like the Blind Welfare Association. We had um, the Sunshine Group for the Blind, which was more cultural and social. And we had the Congress of the Blind, which was uh, like an advocacy group 
summary for better services and equal opportunities for persons who are blind and visually impaired. So I was very actively involved in that. And then by 1995, we, we formed PAVI, which was a, a kind of an offshoot from Congress because we had closed on Congress um, for a number of reasons. So we formed PAVI, Persons Associated with Brazil Impairment, and I was one of the foundation members of that. And because of that, today I am Pavi's president, second time around, between between 1998 and 2002. Mm-hmm. Because our constitution clearly states that you must, you could serve in that capacity for two consecutive terms. And then I served in other capacities within the, the, the blind um, movement. Then in 2005, with the advent, or 2003, sorry, with the advent of Cricket for the Blind, or the introduction of Cricket for the Blind in the region, Again, I took up the challenge of trying to build a cricket for the blind from both a, a national and a regional perspective. And in fact, in 2005, we established the then Trinidad um, Even before that, we got together in Jamaica, a couple of us, to establish the which was then known as the West Indies Cricket Council for the Blind. Mm-hmm. So the West Indies Cricket Council for the Blind was born on February 22nd, on January 22nd, sorry, January 22nd, 2005. And there followed Trinidad. Well, Bobby, this was the first day really introduced Black Cricket because they had a workshop in 2002 with people coming down from England and whatever. So that was my start in Black Cricket. Um, I served in the capacity of Secretary General from 2005 to 2014. And because of some internal wranglings, mm-hmm. I had to resign. Um, oh. But the, the people of the day, no, no love lost. The, the, the membership of the day said, look, we cannot lose a, a, an individual with such experience. And so they made me direct um, administrator of Black Cricket in the West Indies, mm. a position which I still hold up to today. Wow, congratulations. Okay. I also served on, on the world body of Black Cricket from 2006 to 2012 in the capacity of Secretary and Assistant Secretary. And I'm currently, having had a take, take now a little break uh, since 2017, I'm currently the um, Assistant Secretary for World Black Cricket Limited. So you see my knowledge. Of course, with the Caribbean Council for the Blind, I have been attending, and I did attend a number of meetings in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, and began serving on the executive of that body uh, since 1999, and I'm still on the executive of that body. So it just goes to show that, uh, you know, what, yes. once you committed, once you dedicated, once you have a passion for what you do, you know, people would appreciate you. Although sometimes within, within our fold, we have enemies who feel otherwise, eh? but that's a different story. But I have to do what I have to do in the interest to help empower blind and visually impaired persons and by extension persons with disabilities because I'm also involved at the local level in an umbrella body called the Consortium of Disability Organizations. So that's who I am in a nutshell. And well, you basically I, I, add, um, answered all of my questions on my, on my list here. But Buwani, um, I have plenty of listeners in the US and the UK could you just elaborate on the Caribbean Council for the Blind? What are the roles and functions? Well, when the Caribbean Council for the Blind started, it was like an umbrella body to bring together the, the agencies within each of the member territories um, to try and work on building capacities, etc. Having a unified approach to doing things because, you know, it at that time, Barbados going off on a training program, Trinidad going off on the same training program, but in a different direction, you understand? So we thought that the unit, in unity, we find strength. 
and that was the the for the Premier Council, right? And we in the early days of CCB, they were basically the group, the go-to group within the region uh, as it relates to blindness issues. And they assisted a number of these agencies now now in, in, in functioning, now functioning, um, build their capacity, um, infrastructurally and otherwise. Um, back in 1985, or there, no, in the 90s, sorry, they embarked on what we call rehabilitation training officers for rehabilitation services because before that, I will have to tell you um, that many of us blind persons, not just here in Trinidad and Tobago, but throughout the region, was at each one, each one. A number of us walked down the street together, hey, look for blind people, is it blind leader, the blind, and all kind of drama. Um, so the rehab techniques of, of keen use to teach person uh, who lose their sight, who lost their sight, that look, there is life after blindness, you can still continue to make a cup of coffee, maybe depending on the kind of work you do, you, you could continue to, to function with some adjustments, you understand? So that's why the rehab concept was introduced to the region. Today, that is now known as adjustment to blindness, and we have adjustment to blindness officers in many of the countries still functioning. In some countries, the program has unfortunately diminished, which is sad, but um, we trying our best to try and revitalize this program because there is a need because more and more persons are going blind or losing sight for one reason or the other, whether it be diabetes, cataract, glaucoma, other eye conditions, and even accidents. And it's not prevalent just to Trinidad and Tobago. It's a, it's a regional situation. Yes. So, Buani, what I find, what I found interesting is that you were a craft instructor at the Society for the Blind. Tell us about that. No, 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 no. No, I was not. A, I was not a craft instructor. I, I um, I, I well, I never liked craft, but I used to do it. I used blind welfare as a stepping stone to anything I had to do because you know, in those days, um, communication in the country area was kind of kind of low. So, in order to get with the program, you had to get into Port of Spain or San Fernando, one of these centers, uh, which you could use as a, as a springboard mm-hmm. for moving forward in other things. You understand? Mm-hmm. I mean, I did some craft, yes, but I also used it to do other things um, and, and, and to, to branch out. But I was I also served on the uh, on the uh, council of the Trinidad Tobago Blind Welfare Association for a number of years. Yes, I also served on the board and all of that. You know? Yes. So I, I gave my two cents worth back in terms of my experience and in terms of my commitment to, to the task of assisting to empower blind and visually impaired persons like myself. Yeah. So, Buwani. And I, I, as I always say, I, I, I am not, I have not regretted one moment of my life yes. because I, I always tell people I believe God brought me here for a purpose, a, a reason. And now that I'm retired, kind of, I say kind of because I'm still very busy. Uh, I, I can reflect and say, well, I, I did it my way. <laughs> That's understandable. So, Buwani, how supportive? Were your family in growing up as a um, as a person with a special need, um, and the community? Um, we got mixed support. Some people would say yes, go forward. Some people would say, you know, well, what you're buying for, you know. But basically, a lot of the influence came came on my own. If I decided I wanted to do ABC, well, then so be it. I mean, people might be hesitant. People might be reluctant. You might say, why well, want to get married for? You know. We have a house here, living here. Your brother and your sister will take care of you. But I didn't want that. That, that was my life was to be 
as independent as possible. I can live as near normal a life as possible. We married. Once I did once and again, a kind of good responsibility to the election night. I was married. My second marriage, unfortunately, it lasted 18, and 18 years and some months. And my wife passed away in Barbados last year. Wow. Um, and, and she had a physical disability, so we, we complemented each other. She passed away. Yeah, she passed away in July. We were at a women's forum in Barbados on Black Cricket. Mm-hmm. She passed away. Wow. My, con- my condolences. I try to keep as possible using the computer. Of course, I'm. As you know, I air your program. Or your yes, speakers. we're getting to that. We're getting to that. Um, because my next question was, um, Bawani, uh, she has a, a physical disability and, you know, persons like to see people rise above their challenges. So, you may explain yeah, to we, us, before we, she we, died, we, what disability we she were had? We the admiration of men. Just to put it mildly, we were with the admiration of men. Yes. In fact, we used to say to each other, you are my eyes and I am your feet. Where you couldn't walk, I will walk for you. And where I couldn't see, you will see for me. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of uniqueness we had in our marriage. Oh, so she's not, she wasn't able to walk? No, no, no. She was able to walk, but she used one side of her clutch. Oh. For balance. Okay. For balance. Okay. But she did drive and so on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, this is interesting. One can't see, one can't walk properly. Yeah, but, but, but I always believe where there's a way, there's a way, and it's better to try yes. and fail and fail to try and try it, and we succeeded. Despite who wanted to criticize us and, and say, well, look, well, you can't wait. Because two of them have a disability and thing, thing, thing. We, would, we, we, we did many things together. In fact, she traveled with me to many of the countries that I went to, Pakistan, India, mm-hmm. um, you know, England, Canada, wherever I went, we, we made sure we, we did it together once funds would allow it. Okay. You know? So, but how, how do you, how would you assess the opportunities available for persons who are blind or visually impaired back then and now? Well, I would say there has been some improvement over time. Um, 40 years ago, a lot of people were more sheltered. Today, we see a lot, a lot more people coming out. We see a lot more advances. Thanks to technology, it is making life a lot easier. We see a lot more persons being involved in integrated education. And I have to give credit to Jamaica. Jamaica's the University of the West Indies was the first to enroll students with disabilities and perhaps other disabilities. Um, we started, and, and they started a, a little while before us here in Trinidad, but today we have a well-run program for the, for the inclusion of persons with disabilities at the U.S. Interesting. And there are also programs in Barbados, because I understand there is a, a, a young lady who is studying law in Barbados. Yes. And I will also spend some time at the university in Barbados. So. Oh, oh. Okay. And there's another student now whose name I cannot remember who's studying law. I plan to interview Dr. Eiffel, but she's just so busy. So I plan to interview her as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying she's a little difficult to find sometimes. Yes, okay. So, Buwani, what advice would you give to persons with special needs and parents and, you know, those who are trying to find their career objectives? Well, I would say now is a good time. You have the opportunities available to you. I know after study, people ask what next. Employment is still a big challenge. Sometimes you have to create your own 
niche your own yeah you have to market yourself i always tell people with disabilities especially if you have degrees in social work and counseling and that kind of thing you have to market yourself it will take a little more longer it will take a little more convincing people still believe that people with disabilities you know you can't advise them they can't counsel them because they themselves want counseling that's how that's the perception of some people still but you have to market yourself you have to sell yourself mm-hmm. and i know we as persons with disabilities have to work two or three times harder to get where we want to go mm-hmm. but uh, with perseverance you know you will succeed it will okay. right. do you want to say hi to anybody out there in the world well hi to all your listeners too many to mention wherever you may be wherever this program is being heard um you know it is always a pleasure to talk with people to share information and it's always a pleasure to be an interviewer and an interviewer sometimes mm-hmm. and, you know that's the way the cookie crumbles but mm-hmm. it's, it's it's great to be on your show tamika yes and my show is heard or should i say is aired i beg your pardon on ccv radio on thursdays at 8 uh, 8 Trinidad time or my time? How's it going? Yeah, 8 p.m. Trinidad and Tobago time. Yes, 8 p.m. Trinidad. And, and well, we, are, we, are, we have swung into the Christmas mood. So between now and the end of the year, mm-hmm. all the music here will be Christmas related. Yes, yes, yes. So you can get your Christmas um, request in and they'll be too happy to play it. So there you have it, folks. Mr. Buwani Prasad from Trinidad and Tobago. Remember, guys, life is a journey. Live good, love God. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel good. Join me next week, Sunday, for another episode of Culturama with Diva. I'll be interviewing Miss Stephanie McCoy from Blind Beauty Organization. Now, this will be interesting for all the fashionistas, the women, whether sighted or not sighted. You know, this is rather interesting. So stay tuned and listen up. So that's a wrap, people. See you next week, Sunday. We are in a Sanctum Entertainment Limited, proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. We encourage you to listen and join us in a journey of cultures, ideas, and innovations as Diva takes us around the world with her guests. An amazing show with an amazing host. We thank you for accepting the challenge of opening your mind. We are Inner Sanctum Entertainment Limited and we are a proud sponsor of Culturama with Diva. A big thank you to my studio engineers, Mr. Sidney Thorpe from Kingston, Jamaica, Mr. Damien Rose from Kingston, Jamaica, and Mr. Gary Kemmer from Monroe, Louisiana. Thank you guys for ensuring that the production goes well.